So at this time, uh, let us uh, continue in our uh, study of uh, the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 1 through 5, and then we'll hop over uh, several verses to the end of it from verses 19 through 30. So uh, let's turn to it right now, Philippians 2, one, verse 1 through 5. Hear God's holy word. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then let us go to verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, and not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye have heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life supply your lack of service toward me. That ends the reading of God's holy word. And I'd like to uh, pray. Oh Father, give us understanding of the words of scripture, of these words that were read, and of Lord the meaning of them, and the purpose of them, the purpose of the Holy Spirit for our hearing these words and Lord, at this particular time, and how we may benefit from the Holy Scriptures, how we may, Lord, glean truth from it that will stand us in good stead now and even in the day of judgment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Is there any consolation in Christ? What does consolation mean? It has the meaning of coming alongside someone to help them, to counsel when it is needed, to exhort when it's required, to encourage, to support, to lift up, to help in times of need and to bring comfort to the soul. Is there any consolation in Jesus Christ? There is, if you're a believer. Only if you are yourself in Christ, as that verse says, is there any consolation in Christ. You know for sure that you are. Now, I'm speaking to the choir, I realize. But maybe there are those who as yet are not saved in the audience beyond this four walls. Do you know for sure that you are in Christ? A most important question to ask yourself. Oh soul, am I in the beloved of God, Jesus Christ? As Paul says, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Is there any consolation in Christ? Only if you daily put on Christ. The Bible says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It also says that we are to put on his mind in our passage. In verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's how we first start to put on Jesus Christ, by putting on his mind. You're probably thinking, how do I do that? <laughs> his mind is eternal, infinite, full of glory, and I'm just a little old sinner. Well, the Bible says we're to do it, so obviously, where there's God's will, there's a way, right? God wouldn't say it unless it were possible. Well, let's turn to Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Uh, for example, Matthew 20, 26 through 28, where he is confronting, exhorting, if you will, his disciples who were in the background talking amongst themselves and and, and you might say being against one another as to who has the top spot, who is, the, who is the top dog, as it were, amongst the apostles. Can you imagine that? That doesn't happen in the church, does it? <laughs> but our Lord simply put an end to that when he says, but it shall not be so among you. My 12 are not going to be that way. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Now the word minister is not like ordained minister. It's more like ordained waiter. Uh, no, there's no such thing. But, but, but the office of waiter is, 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 is what's spoken of here. And, and deacons, which is an ordained office, fulfill this. But yes, even pastors have to be deacons. Even if they never were deacons before. Now I was once one before I became pastor. I passed over being an elder or I was passed over being an elder. <laughs> but that's okay. I had that 
honorable opportunity to be a minister as a deacon. And our Lord says also, and whosoever will be chief among you, meaning the one who's, can I call it the head, like uh, the head of the consistory or the head of the classes or the head of the synod, like President uh, Vern Palma uh, was for 20 years the president of, of synod for the RCUS, Reformed Church in the United States. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. That word servant speaks of someone even lower than a waiter, a slave who's not even being remunerated, no tips, just told what to do. And he does it, and he does it gladly because he is a servant after another kind, even after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Imagine having such a slave at your beck and call who would be willing to take the bullet for you if you were in a situation where your life was being threatened and did on the cross of Calvary. And he is the one that bids us to come to him, all who labor and are heavy laden, and he promises that he will give us rest. And he says to take our yoke upon, or his yoke upon us, the yoke that is, uh, you know that yoke that they put on the oxen or on the caribou that we saw the other Sunday school uh, lesson prior that causes them to pull together. But this is a different kind of yoke than plying a field. This is the yoke of being a follower of Jesus. This is the yoke of being a learner at the feet of the Savior, the Master. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not going to give you a yoke that you can't bear. I will not give you a, a burden that you will not be able to carry because I will be with you. I will carry it along with you. I will come alongside you for I am here with you now and will be with you forever. So that you can be the same as me. So that you can be a minister like me waiter on tables, a servant of others. And we are to put on his heart, not just his mind, but his heart. And he imparts to his people such a heart, for it says in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, the following, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you, even my Holy Spirit, and will also give you a renewed spirit, a renewed soul. For I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone that has no feeling at all, no life in it whatsoever. A heart of flesh that is pumping that is alive, that is healthy and strong, for it is in Christ. 
This is what he promises to do. And this in order that you might walk with him. That you might walk in his statutes. That you might keep his judgments and do them to the glory of God. And all this so that you might ultimately love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. In order that you might love your neighbor as yourself. Which shows our love for God. For how can we love the one whom we can't see if we have not even begun to love those whom we can't see? How can we love the one that we see with the eye of flesh when we don't even love those that we see with our earthly and fleshly eyes? Like the Good Samaritan. Why is the Good Samaritan so remarkable and so memorable? Because he's a picture of who when we were down and out, when we were on our last breath, in fact, in the King James, he's described as being half dead. I mean, he is on the way. He is on the way. And yet the Lord, in his mercy, revives him, saves him, probably because of his coming. And the enemies of his soul scattered. And he was able to nurture him to the best of his ability, which is, of course, you can't get any better, right? Through the means that he has chosen, and even without them. This is how Christians are to minister. This is how we are to love. And to put on his will, not only his mind, not only his heart, but also put on his will, you know, our tendency is to do our own will, right? Our tendency is to do what we want, what we choose, what we decide. Sometimes even as Christians, we forget to pray and say, Lord, if it be your will. Because sometimes it may not be your will. In fact, if you're wise, you'd begin your day praying. And you'd begin by praying, Lord, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm in Christ. Thank you that I have the whole day to look forward to because I'm going to now be able to walk with you again in the land of the living. And by so doing, glorify you because I'm here to do your will. Your will is good. Lead me into the land of the living. To do your will like, Lord, what was your will when you went to the cross when you were going to the cross when you said prior to that my meat or my food and my drink is to do the will of my father and to finish his work especially to finish his work on the cross that was what everything was all pointing to this was where it was going to culminate was on the death of the son of god of, on calvary and yet there was a moment where it seemed like he was teetering on this decision, right? Teeter-tottering, as they would say. Because humanly speaking, as he was a human being, and he was prone to weaknesses, like emotional fluctuations, if you will, although never with sin. To drink of this cup of God's judgment? Imagine that. Imagine knowing that you are going to suffer the wrath of God and yet you were without sin. You were the very son of that very one 
was going to pour his anger out on you for other people. And yet, alas, he drank the cup of divine wrath down to the very dregs. That means every drop he swallowed. And yet, like our Lord, we too need to die to self that we might live to God and that we might live for others. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, for example, if you would kindly turn there. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. What he means there is that the love of Jesus is such that when you know that he, he, he loved you when you were dead, he made you alive, he gave you life, he gave you spiritual life, he gave you eternal life, he gave you a new song in your heart singing praises to him, whereas before you took his name in vain. Imagine the, the contrast from lightness to darkness, from darkness to lightness, and from being under the power of Satan to being under the power of, of the living Lord. And that he died for all, meaning all of his people, that those who live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto whom? Him who loved them and gave his life for them. You see, that's what the sacrifice of, of Christ affects, is, is this thankfulness that you will never, never forget him, that he will always be on your calendar when those holidays come around. And you're gathering together as a family, like on Thanksgiving and, and even uh, uh, at the end of the year uh, for uh, the birth and nativity of our Lord and for the New Year's when family gets together. Jesus is there. And you're not going to let anything stop you from not just mentioning his name, but glorifying him, praising him, proclaiming him, praying in his name for the blessings that only can come from above. This is what it means to put on his will. And then thirdly, is there any consolation in Christ? Only if you seek the Holy Spirit for it. It's not something that we do in our own strength. It's not something that we just say, ah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to glorify God. Because Immediately, the moment you say that, you realize, wow, what did I say? <laughs> it's like when Christ called those disciples to follow him. And they said, yes, Lord, we will do that. And then what happens? Some of them start to come up with excuses of one kind or another, you know, like, Oh, uh, I just got married and I have to go on my honeymoon and uh, my father died and I got to go bury him and uh, oh, I have a field to plow. Whosoever puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Hmm. You can't do it in your own strength. It takes the Holy Spirit to do it. The Greek word for consolation, by the way, is paraklesis. You know that word? Have you heard that? Does it sound familiar? It's the word where we get paraclete. Paraclete is a term in the Greek referring specifically to the Holy Spirit. He is the paraclete in the English, the comforter. 
You've heard of that, have you not? For our Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will send you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of the truth, spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. One comforter for another. Jesus, our comforter. But he went back to heaven. And so what does he do? He and the Father sent the Holy Spirit. And he said of the comforter to come, the Holy Spirit, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and will show it to you. So his comforting us is not only in his presence with us, which is the presence of God, but in his reminding us and reminding us and reminding us of what Jesus said and of what Jesus did and of what Jesus promised and of what Jesus gave and how we owe him our lives. We owe him our souls. We owe him everything, our families, everything that has meaning and purpose Holy Spirit will do that. He will make God's words ring with truth and love in your heart so that you can't help but want to do them. Like in our passage in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1 through 5. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... Encouragement, help, uplifting. Especially in these times when there's so much to discourage us. There's so much to get us down. There's so much to get us down in the dumps where Satan will want us to go, (laughs) where Satan would, would have us to be. And where the Christian, with the help of God, is able to say, that's where he wants me to be. I'm coming up, you know. I'm not going to be there. It's him. It's him that gives us that comfort of love, that fellowship of the Spirit, the bowels and mercies, or bowels of mercies, joy, accord, one, uh, having one mind, uh, being unified, not being divided. I've seen churches, oh, my, so sad when they're divided. And it's, it's, it's not honoring to the Lord. Lowliness of mind, thinking better of others than themselves. Now, that's a killer. That will kill the church (laughs) when you think better of yourself than of others. But Christ says, or through the apostle Christ says, let each esteem other better than himself. That's the other way around. And look not every man on his own things, but on the things of others. This doesn't mean that you are going to look at another man's wife or when he belongs, but this means to put the things uh, that are of concern and importance of others ahead of your own. And that's a tough one to juggle. I know that. Because when you have a family, for example, and when you have uh, your own needs, it's, it's, it's difficult time-wise and financially and all those other ways. But, but yet, with God, all things are possible. Why else would he say this? And then lastly, 
Is there any consolation in Christ? Only if we follow closely the godly example of others. And we're given two in our passage. And who are they? Timothy? That's Timotheus. And Epaphroditus. I'm just going to call him Brother E, okay? <laughs> Timothy. Paul says, I'm, um, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send him to you, meaning that he's going to go your way and that you will be comforted. And when I will be comforted, because through him, I'm going to know how you're doing. Because they didn't have, you know, what we have today, the electronics we have today. Uh, there's my electronic contactor with the world, okay? Can you imagine what Paul would have been able to accomplish if he had that? <laughs> so he sends Timotheus. That's the, the next best thing, right? In fact, that's better. <laughs> and he says, I don't have anyone like-minded like him. I mean, we, not that he's a clone of him. He is his own man. Let me tell you, he is his own man. He is his own minister. He, he votes independently in, in, in the consistory or in the spiritual council or in the classes or in the synod uh, from Paul, even though they're both delegates, uh, maybe in the same committee. He votes his mind, and, and yet he's like-minded, meaning they share the same doctrines, and they're 100% sold out on what the word teaches. And, um, and he's the one that I'm going to send you. And you can't, if you feel like you're the Apostle Paul and you're the only one who can't, I tell you what, if you have a, 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 Tim, a Timothy, it's not the next best thing. It is God's, if it's God's will, that's the best thing. And what a blessing that is to have Timothy because all the others seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ's, but not Timothy. And he's proved himself. He is a son alongside me like his dad. And, and he was his dad in the faith. Now, he had his own dad who was uh, uh, a Roman. His mother was Jewish, who became a convert of the Apostle Paul. But he was a spiritual dad. Someone that God used in his life to lead him to Christ very early on in the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And he served me in the, with me in the gospel. He, he proved his oats, as it were, as, uh, as a young uh, minister, uh, or as a young uh, disciple and then later minister by coming alongside him. He wasn't pushed. He wasn't cajoled of his own. The leading of the Holy Spirit, of course. And that's a rare thing. Timothy's are one of a kind. Even with his own weaknesses and proclivities and all the rest. Because who doesn't have them, right? And then there's Epaphroditus. Oh, I said the word. Well, from now on, um, Brother E. His name means the loving man, like a Epaphroditus, uh, uh, the goddess of love. Only it's a guy. He's the loving man. Like Barnabas, Barnabas is called. Uh, uh, um, when you, uh, remember Barnabas? He was uh, the, the son of consolation. That's our subject for this morning. But here we're looking at Epaphroditus and not Barnabas. And it says in verse 25 of our passage. 
Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Brother E, my brother, my companion in labor, there again, serving side by side with him, and fellow soldier, but your messenger. And he ministered to my wants. He was there for me in my time of need. He visited me, or tried to, when I was in prison, even recently. But he also went to you when I couldn't go to you because of where I'm at. He longed after you. And he was full of heaviness because when he knew that you heard about not only Paul being in prison, but about my becoming sick, Brother E, that is, and almost dying from the sickness, it worried them sick. It made them concerned for him, for this deathly illness. Whenever you get to get close to those who minister the word of God to you and whenever they have helped you in your life, in your spiritual walk, maybe even been used in bringing you to the Savior himself and then something happens to them you are burdened just as much as if that was your own flesh and blood. Well that's what Brother E was to them as well as to Paul. How he loved them when he when it is said by him for indeed he was Sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, not to him only, but on me also. Shows again how much he loved him. I said him therefore the more carefully, or thoughtfully, that when you see him again, you may rejoice. Now that he's up and running again, as it were, you can see for yourself that he is doing well because he's back. And he's with you. And also now you could find out how I'm doing. And later on I will find out more about how the church is doing. And this is all very important. Such as when we're away, don't think that we're just uh, enjoying ourselves, trying to forget all of you. Okay? <laughs> it's one thing to forget the, the work for a, for, a, for, a, for a time. But to forget you, it will never happen in a million years. I'm sorry. There's no deleting that from the memory banks, okay? <laughs> and that's how it was for the Apostle Paul, and that's how it was for Timothy, and that's how it was for Brother E. And to think how uh, these men were willing to spare no expense, even to their very lives. And so, in conclusion, let me ask you a question. Do others encourage you when you're down? And not just myself and my, my, my wife, Monikar, but, but think about all the people in your life and those who have encouraged you. Do others encourage you or have encouraged you when you're down? Don't forget that. But more importantly is this question. Do you encourage others when they're down. Because that's very important. It's important to show your thankfulness and to reciprocate, especially what Jesus has done for you by doing good to others in their time of need. I heard this uh, song on uh, our trip when I was, when we were traveling from 
Atlanta to Bartlett, uh, Tennessee, in search of the Smith family. And I tell you, that was, that was quite a, a, a challenging and even harrowing time. <laughs> what should have been a five and a half hour trip ended up being a nine hour trip, okay? If that tells you anything. Anyway, I heard this song and it, and, and it, just, and it just really struck me like a ton of bricks because I've been thinking about this sermon for, for quite some time. And, it's this, and, and these are the words. And you might recall them if you're old enough like some of us. <laughs> Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going, I'm going to need someone to lean on. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need someone to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. If there's a load you have to bear, that you can't carry, I'm right up the road. I'll share your load. If you just call me, call me. If you need a friend, call me. Is there any consolation in Christ? You bet. You bet. And let's give thanks to God for that. So shall we pray. Father, we are thankful to you that there is consolation in Christ. There is consolation because Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And by his Holy Spirit and through the word, you are ever present in our lives. You are literally living within our very beings, testifying with our spirits that we are the children of God. And that is our cause for rejoicing with that joy unspeakable and full of glory that only comes by heaven being in our soul because you are in our souls. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And thank you for the comfort that we have from you directly and from you through others who come alongside us in our times of need. And, O oh Lord, give us an ear to the ground like the Indians that are looking for the path, but also knowing where their fellow travelers are and how they are doing, because that path is not always smooth. Mm -hmm. To this end, we pray to the glory of Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us now stand as we sing our closing hymn, shall we? And that's uh, 149. <clears throat>